G'day ladies and gents and welcome to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast and YouTube channel. Matty Michael here and in this yarn I sat down with another jump operator from a previous life, Jason Wosley, principal and director of Drillcube, who himself has an unbelievable story from his time in the mining industry and he is as weirdly passionate about it as I am actually. So what and who is Drillcube you ask? Well, it's Wozlik's creation. All from the foundations of his underground mining career. He saw some problems and decided to fix them by creating a mining supply and services group. And what do they supply, you may ask? Well, highly durable underground lasers for the jumbo, ground support, rock tools, bit of vent ducting, and much more. We do talk a bit about Drillcube, but the greatest part of this yarn is the journey that Wosley's been on in between uh, jump operator to now the director of his own company. A lot of offshore work. We're showing the rest of the world what the Aussie high-speed underground development is all about. Absolutely love this yarn. And Wosley brought out some awesome pics of his offshore work. There's nothing like working in an underground mine just next to the beach in Indonesia. Make sure you check it all out in the YouTube video. And hit subscribe while you're over there. Apparently, I have to say that every time. So... If you want any more info on Drillcube and what they're all about, check out their website, drillcube.com. So, you know how much I love talking to other jumbo operators. So, let's get into it. You learn Take something. Every, one. You learn something every day. I did not. I did not know that. That's what the chopping board thing so is was that for. So that's to get the spike in the. Well, that's sound. the. I think, but it's because you got three. You got three cameras, so that clapboard sinks because they're all getting turned on at different times. That clapboard sinks. You know where to sync them to line them all up. Ah, gotcha. The audio so that's and the camera. The point that you know that everyone's. Well, that's what I figured out the other day because I was trying to sync three cameras together and then the audio's out by a second. I'm like, I'm doing my head in. I'm like, oh, gotcha. that's why the chalkboard is. It's the things, the things you learn. The it's two, interesting. Two mate. jump operators, buddy, fallen into, we've both fallen into weird careers, haven't we? Well, we're lucky to have it, mate. We're lucky to be aligned to this career that we've got because that's where. We get these opportunities in WA, mm. you know, it's pretty good. Well, you, you sell, like sales and service. That's uh, did you see yourself ever going into that? No, but I it was didn't. like a part and parcel of wanting to do something for yourself, wouldn't it? Well, I got into business out of frustration down the hole. So I remember in West Africa, I kept having to bring home bent and broken lasers all the time back to Oz to get them yep. dollied up. And I thought, I've had enough of this. And you're on the carpet every time. Uh, what happened? And it's like, well, my offside had bent it trying to get it out the spigot. And, I, yeah. and one day I remember thinking to Is myself- Is that what it's called, the spigot, the sleeve? Yeah. The laser sleeve. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the offsiders used to walk back to grab the laser and they'd bend it up and uh, trying to get it out the spigot. And, I, and then next day you'd end up on the carpet. What happened? You're offline, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And um, so out of that frustration, I thought, I'm going to have a crack at this. And that's where it all began. And it was the laser. It yeah, was all right. through the laser. You hear, you hear so many. There's so many stories like that. In like when I was talking to uh, Bud O'Shaughnessy with Live Mind, he yep. like, and that was just from 
sheer frustration of the shift boss calling him end of shift trying to see where he's at. He's like, there has to be an easy way. He's, he's trying to get his cutaway and he's like, this, there has to be an easy and way. And he's brought out this. a brilliant product. Like, yeah. it's brilliant. If but, if it can get to where it's going to go, you know it's going to transform the whole industry. Well, so, and I suppose that's where the, the best um, – not just the inventions, the best business owners come from, the ones that have been down there and figured out the problem firsthand, like well, yourself. We, um, I don't do much selling. I'm not a salesperson, but most of our products are coming out of innovation. So we've yep. got good service hangers that don't rub holes in the poly, you know, when the, the pumps yep. are pushing. We've got diamond encrusted bits so that you can drill between shifts on your long holes and you don't have to worry about that. We're getting mm. about 8,000 metres out of them. Oh, really? Yes, it was a good God. product. Yeah. So rather than having to change out five, six bits of shift, you can mm. set as we go forward, you're going to be able to set your drill on auto and just um, keep the uh, ring designs coming out. Well, and that means potentially two, one operator can run two or three drills. Mm. Well, there, but there's the massive market for that in development as well because that's I think that's one of the big constraints at the moment for the um, what are you, the, the 422 eyes drilling over shift change is bit changing. Yeah, so we've got the 115s. We're going into the 89s now. They're under testing and development. And yep. what we're probably going to run is a 48 mil retrack. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So why, why, why the retrack? So that if you get in problematic ground, so the 48 means you're going to, your pen rate's going to be high. Yep. But what we're thinking is if you're in bad ground, you've got a bit more extra body to keep it running and yep. it can get yourself out of trouble if it starts yeah. jumping. But they're, they're unbelievable, those machines. The computers behind those yeah, 422 eyes, no one like, well, it knows, it knows it's in bad ground well before an operator does, really. It's, At the beginning, I was sceptical, and now that I've seen them running, they are yeah. special. They, yeah. You know, and we're very lucky to have access. The research and development comes straight to Australia first, and then mm. the boys get to play with the best toys on earth. It's awesome, you know? It's, yeah. It's um just it's just the benefit you get out of that essentially making a 24-hour mine, like eliminating shift change. Yeah. It's um, especially, And now they're tele-remote and tele and – from the surface, those drill rigs. I saw that at uh, where was that prominent hill? Over I think. From Hill, Burnham's yeah. got it going first, so that's, they've done um, a great job. That's going to be unbelievable. God, how good would it be if you had a telly? You could telly a power class and actually bolt with it from the surface. <laughs> 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 well, I think you're stretching it oh, now. Oh, but you never like. But if you think like when you were on it. Um, twenty well, well, whenever that was. Buddy. I missed. I missed the jumbos most of all. You know, like out of my whole career. I started on the air leg when I was 18 years old, so yeah. played footy and went straight into the game after that. Yeah. But I miss the jumbos most of all. I miss I miss the teamwork and I miss being part of the boys, you know, and the girls who are part of the industry so importantly these days. Mm. And I miss that camaraderie that we have. But most importantly, though, that time when you're on the drill and you hit that space, you know, where you're really getting it refined down to a point. Oh, and everyone's depending on you as well. When they're behind you, they're waiting for you to get out to charge. It's an awesome and like, feeling, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm the same. Did you? Because, but would you view when you were on it then? Did you see it? Did you think you'd ever be able to tell it from the surface? Like when we started, I was on an old S series. Tamrock, I think they were S series Tamrock. That the rollover was on the front of the the rollover was on the boom. Yeah. So yeah. your whole rail would turn upside down oh, at really? the beginning. <laughs> the boom, the rail, everything would turn at the same time. Yeah. Yep. yep. So and it was all lever operated. They were pretty clunky. Yep. Um, I started in nineteen eighty 
1985, I think I started, 1986, I started mining. So it was jumbos that were only just coming through. Most of them were on rails and most of them were on um, were air-driven. It was the old yeah. game of Denver, air-driven. Chain, chain food as well. Yeah. So that was way, way back then. I was lucky to get a start like straight away and um, and then we just developed. So most of the systems we're following these days, the, the old boys, you know, Rock Manning and the guys in the industry that we hold in such high regards, you know, they developed all these systems that we've now progressed into. And I was a pup. I was working with them just as I started, obviously, um, as a just a runabout, as a nipper, but then I quickly progressed onto the air leg and then went mm. on to the drills from there. Yeah. So um, and then just stuck with that for so long because I enjoyed it, you know, like I, I really enjoyed it. And the benefits that I got out of the industry from – First of all, by coming over to Western Australia, I think I was about 22 when I first got over here and, and started with um, Barminko when there's only about 12 of us in the company. Yeah, right. I think yep. there's 7,000 today. Oh, yeah, God. So yeah. Billy was a grad. Yep. So Billy was that was like a, Plutonic days, was it? Uh, I started at Waluna and yep. it was their second project. So we yep. moved in with old Rock Manning and there was a guy called Kev Harding and the Titchener brothers, they were they were up and about. And uh, there's a young guy called Bradley who was the number one employee for Barminko and he's still kicking around these days Is now. He? There you go. So we started and jumbos and contract mining and everything was brand new, you know. Like it, it, previous to that, there was a lot of the Western mining stuff and then they transitioned over. I think regulations changed and contract mining began and we went straight in and filled that void. And... We were still and rapid development mining systems, you know, mm. three-man declines and so on and so forth. And the Elfies had only just come out as well. Prior, prior to that, we were using the Cat 950s and all these other archaic bits of gear and then the 2800 yep. come out. And that was the point where things changed. And that's when we went from, you know, 120 metres and 140 metres a month in the decline. We ramped up to the four five hundred straight away, mm. not straight away, but over time. And then um, we transitioned across a couple of years later, transitioned across to the split feeds, and they were clunky at the beginning as well, and then we got into the latest ones that we've got now. Well, so, yeah, they're unbelievable now. Yeah. So to watch, to be part of that progression, I'm so – like I love this industry and I love – people like yourself and the guys that we work with and the transition of the career and watching the stories develop, you know. Mm. And then now with the inclusion and the diversity and where this we're really pushing leading edge mining systems globally, um, we're blessed. We're very, very lucky to be part well, of it. Especially in Australia because well, you've been overseas, you've been bloody everywhere with it. Like, why, why do you think – Australia's got the the high speed development down pattern. Nowhere else does. What what gives us the edge? Our bolting and meshing, the way that the guys can get up the thirty sheets and the two hundred bolts in a shift. Yep. That's the secret to it all. And the fact that we're so centrally focused on um, on turning the headings over. You mm. know, where, whenever I go overseas to develop these systems. Um, well, you always get there and you always see that they're hitting they they've got too many jumbos and too many people and that they're clunky in the way that they go about the business you know so it's a process to understand every every part of that process but i think it's wrapped in behind the fact that wage cost and performance targets are so high in australia to make yeah. a profit that we're always looking at the edges of where we can save and where we can improve mm. and um 
and we've created an art out of it. Well, it is like there's not many. That's what you. It's very humbling to be on the jumbo, and you, you try to explain to people what you do, but you're like, there's not many people in the world that can do it. Like it's such a, it's such an art, as you said. And I'm just, I'm so lucky to be able to do yeah, it. It's beautiful, mate. It's, and uh, and the numbers, you know, like you, it's the guys up in Kalgoorlie the other week with one jumbo. They got eleven hundred and fifty meters of bolt mesh bore. For yeah, eleven hundred and forty meters. Now yeah. we cracked six hundred in Africa in twin headings, and that was a, a record. We got uh, fourteen hundred at Jundee with three years ago, the first one to hit fifty thousand yep. linear meters, and that was a record. But to get up to you know, and then the Jundee boys got eight fifty with one jumbo mm. the other week. Yeah, and then the Kalgoorlie guys um, with Northern Star, they got um. They got the eleven forty, I think it was. Yeah, I don't know how they got it. Like oh, that's they, astonishing. Oh, uh, yeah, they set it up. They've set it up for the month to do but it. They like still it's got all, it. all level. Yeah, but it's um, it's meters a meters at one side is different to meters at another side. When yeah. you when you're in good ground and you can uh, have reduced ground support, like, like you don't like not the. Not reduced as in the bare minimum. You don't, you don't. You don't need bloody gooeys. You don't need mesh down to bloody one meter from the floor. Yeah, and crap I think like they that. just it's, refined um, it and then yeah. went for it. But you but got yeah, and you got to be in the good ground and the butter that's bloody pulling. But as you said, like those guys are like world class operators. Yeah, to they be able very to pull, much are. Pull that off. It's um, and one of them's about seventy three years yeah, old, <laughs> and <laughs> he's still doing got it. To, they got, I think they got to paint the end of his bolts because so because <laughs> <laughs> he can't see, can't see the whole end. He can't see the end of the bolt. He's quite it's, a character, <laughs> but I tell you what, he's as fit as a bull. We'll have still to get, going. we'll have to try and get uh, Snowy and Bango on here. That'd be a good three way one. I got a funny <laughs> feeling you get a few laughs out of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was very lucky um, to be part of the beginning. You know, like and. Um, um, to like show my age, but uh, started at 18, 18 years old, and one day I was straight underground. Yeah. And uh, dad was a foreman, and then come over to WA for the beginning, and then we developed the systems over here, and then the expat uh, world opened up as well. Mm. And I uh, was lucky enough to to jump straight on that and head straight across. So uh, we we moved over into the West African thing where I worked with uh, quite a few of the boys that you work with now, and we developed that industry over there. And that was a real learning curve. Like we we weren't we didn't eat very well. We tended to <laughs> tended to lose uh, fifteen or eighteen kilos yeah, every yeah. swing. And the the big problem was that they had all air leg systems previously, and then we went in with yeah. the rapid development. Yep. And it took time for the vent systems to catch up. Who was that? Who was that with? Uh, that was in Mali. So started with AUMS and yep. uh, went up into Mali, and uh, and then we. Um, kicked off the two mines there. And behind the back end of that, that whole industry and that whole jurisdiction has really opened up. You know, Mali's, I think, the third or fourth biggest gold producer in the world now. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. So they've really created. Um, so then after that, I had three or four years over there and uh, – it was pretty worn out at the end. It's a lot of hard work and we created big, a foundation. Big rosters as well. Long right? rosters. Yeah. That was the hard yeah. part. And the kids were young. And you know yourself that um, our family sacrifices as much as we do. Yeah. So my lovely wife, she uh, after three three and a half years, she said, "Look, um, you might want to think about looking for a shorter roster because mm. the girls are going into high school, you know, and we want to." Well, you miss some growing up, don't you? Yeah, it's, you do. Uh, yeah. So I come back, and then I headed into China, um, and I was uh, 
doing the uh, technical improvement of the four mines over there. China had opened up and they let some uh, foreign corporations come in to get started and I secured a very, very good role um, as a senior superintendent uh, running the four projects and I would go in and, and bring the rapid development mining systems into the mines and we introduced uh, proper ground support. The safety indicators, they were at about uh, a triffer of about 19 when we got there, more of even being yeah. 23. Yeah. And we got it down to, with full compliance, we got it down to about three. Yeah. So we kept our people safe. We improved all the systems. And then we broke, we were the first company to ever get a thousand meters in China out yeah. of uh, out of three jumbos. Who'd you, were you over there? Did you take a contractor over there or who did no, you No, we had with? our Chinese contractors and they're good workers. Like they're yeah. good, but they didn't have the system. Yep. So yep. we introduced the safety management systems and the emergency response systems and then the rapid development and then we got the step change out of the business from there. What did you tra train up Chinese people for the jumbos or was it expats doing the on the jumbos? No, or? we had all Chinese. So the mandate yeah, really? was that yeah. we had to develop. There was We had 4,000 employees um, throughout the group. And we had five expats running the whole show. So yeah. a lot of work at the beginning to get started. And um, when I first arrived, <laughs> I didn't know where to look. Yeah, well, oh, that'd be because what they essentially weren't bolting anything. Uh, they were bolting, there. but there was no ground support. So it was just bolts into rock, and the ground yeah. was pretty dodgy. Yeah. They were just hardwiring jumbos into the boxes. And there was a lot of uh, step changes and business improvements that we had to bring. Yeah. So there was pushback at the beginning, but then once the guys got buy once we got buy-in and they thought, hang on a minute, this this actually mm. works. Well as soon as they say dollars in the bank, that's the uh Yeah, that's we had the, to work on sell. that. Yeah. And the one thing about the the Chinese guys, they were working seven hour shifts when we got there yep. for 31 day months. Oh really? So they were working straight from spring festival through to spring festival. Far so they'd out. work 350 days straight with a shift change <laughs> on a Saturday. Yeah, right. So when we went there, we tried to push the numbers and, and push the safety and production numbers straight away. And I, I got about three days in. I, they were sleeping underground. Guys were sleeping on the job, you know. And I Just ruined. Come out. <laughs> and I said, what's going on? And they said, oh, we're at day 300, mate. Well, we're getting pretty tired. I said, I said, what do you mean you're at day 300? And they said, well, they work. They've got another 50 days and they can get a yeah, holiday, yeah, you yeah. know. So so we went to a two-and-two two roster. Yep. Um, and then we uh, – we changed the contract structure and we, we did a lot of stuff. We had a wonderful team of guys to work with and uh, I had a pretty amazing um, uh, general manager of operations who enabled us to bring the changes that we could. And by working under his, his leadership, um, we were able to change the whole industry. So in the end, what ended up happening was uh, the – universities, the institute inside of China were coming to the mine and having a look around at our operations. We had general managers from all over the country coming and we created these lifelong friendships and yeah, business well. relationships. Where did you go with translation? Did you have a, a buddy next to you the whole time that was your translator? How'd that all work? Well, what I found, I had to convey emotion rather than- <laughs> I found joy, a way of joy or tears. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, right. I'm yeah. very happy with you or I'm not so happy with you. So yeah, yeah. there's two different ways you can do it. You can interpret. I had a great interpreter called Tiger and we've still got a relationship these days. And yeah. um, he was able to convey either emotion 
which was um, interpretation, or he could convey translation, which was literal. Mm. So if we were working at a government level, we had to interpret, <coughs> excuse me, we had to translate. Yeah. But with the boys, he had to interpret what was happening. Yeah, right. So that, that whole China journey, it's uh, there's like two purposes for it, really, because like, it's got you into China for- Essentially, what you're doing now, like China, is China a big part of your business with yeah, so supply and everything? Sensitive should- topic at the moment, but yeah, I know. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's what makes the world go around. <laughs> yeah, well, during the journey in China, what we did, we, um, I, one of my mandates was to go to the factories and to upspec to QAQ international QAQC yep. standards, so for CANMET testing and West Australian School of Mines and so on and so forth. So, uh, drill cube. Um, started on the back end of that. So I had four and a half years inside of China, I believe it was. And during that period, I must have gone to 200 factories and met and uh, conveyed what we were trying to do. And mm. um, after the Chinese journey finished, I established uh, supply agreements with a lot of the factories because of the unit prices and the QAQC standards that they were working to. Yeah. So um, we've got we've got agreements and arrangements set up with about 12 factories now. And that's where Drillcube uh, developed from there. Did, did you know at the start when you said you were going around, did you know what Drillcube was going to be? Did you have it in your head or you just- No, uh, it was you, just a- It's uh, just happened. Well, mother and mother is the, uh, what do they say, invention? Necessity is the mother of all invention. Yeah. <laughs> and I could see the products. I could see the fact that we were able to innovate so easily. And when you think about it, you know, if you took, if you took, Made in China out of Bunnings, you could hear the crickets talk to each other, you know. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that are doing it these days. Yep. And and most of our products come come through um, the Chinese and Malaysian and Thai factories. And then we make sure that they comply. We have third-party QAQC mm. inspectors and they do quality management for us. Yep. And that way we know that what we're getting is as good meets and exceeds the European standards. Yeah. So it, it to me, nothing against the Europeans. Their innovation is amazing and they do a great job. You know, we've got some incredible products here, but we do pay a premium for it in Australia. Mm. And so what I realised was that we can generally save most clients that we operate through. We save 15% usually on unit prices, 15, 20, 10, it doesn't really, it changes depending on, on the metal prices globally. But the main thing that we do, we, uh, we make sure that our compliance and what we deliver to our clients is absolute premium. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if you like, like, but just going right back to the start. Yep. How do you go from boring holes to be a, 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 Ground support, bloody uh, mining services supplier. Well, bullshit yeah. mostly. <laughs> what, where did you start? I don't know. Did it all just happen without you know? Like, it was like the holistic. shit you had to learn to, to get to that stage where you can supply ground support to a mine site yeah, that's coming um, out of China. It's it's a pretty good story actually in its own way, but um, I developed the lasers, right? We developed the lasers and we knew that they were – best practice globally. Yeah. So we know they can shoot the 200 metres. 
Um, so then we had the laser set and we thought, okay, we've got a small little business behind this. But then I realised that our rock tools are made with the same steel from the same factories as the heavyweights. That- and I had the product in testing in our four mines over there. So I knew that the product was sensational. We had all our uh, meterage and our test reports that had been done. So we knew it was good, mm. right? Then we transitioned into the ground support and, and we know that it complies in full. So really- there's a what we realised was. There we are. We've there got we the are. lasers. There's our little lasers. It looks so. like a bloody. I looked at them earlier. It looked like a bloody uh, one of those gold pen gifts you'd give someone. That's <laughs> like <laughs> if you look at it from a if someone that uh, had no idea about mining. It looks like a, a Mont Blanc here thing. <laughs> so that's the 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 gold bit there. So that's your sleeve, or what do you call it? The spigot, the female spigot. spigot. So the face cap, which you can see, is critical to it all because it means it can take a blast. The with the face cap is in the black, the black tip or the, the cap of the light, which uh, the one with the lanyards uh, connected oh, to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the secret to the whole system. It turns on and off with a light with a magnet. Um, so. We oh, can, so it's not, it's not, you don't, it's not the pushing. No, part. it's a it's, magnetic it's, on and off. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and we get 200 meters out of it. So that's the benefit of it is that you can get that straight shot through your, um, through your sub level drives and down your footwall drives. You get it all on one shot. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. benefit of it all. Yeah. Um, so that, you, oh, okay. And so that just screws because there, there's your other, um, thing that buggers up every like is the face it, cap yeah yeah so that'll always like a tiny thin bit of bloody right times hanging you've on been it. in and you've got the and screwdriver it, and you're chipping oh, away yeah. you always take a thing of windex with you to to flush it out because it's like yep. the, the the string's broken off the cap so the cap isn't there anymore so for even, a even, the, product. Even, even the conveyor belt they put over like the dust gets in behind it and and it's uh yeah right and it's that, crazy but, but it just two- look, it looks durable like that's the well, that's the thing. So, how much how much have we spent over the years on um, on how much money have we spent over the years being offline or waste? Yeah. You go to a heading, you can't get your laser in. The plastic's jammed in, yeah. and then you got to sit on the park. heading and wait for survey to come down. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, yeah, that's it. Millions <laughs> and millions of dollars. How many people lie about uh, to say the laser got buggered on the way out too? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the way out, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we kicked off with the lasers, and then and now we've transformed. The business has developed, so now we do. Uh, we've got uh, we do the cap lamps. We do a yeah. lot of mining lights, so we've got yeah. premium mining lights. But the main thing is um, we're trying to become a one stop shop for mining consumables. Yeah, because yeah. Um, when I used to set up uh, projects, you'd turn up on the project and you had to set up all your stock and all your supply. And for the first month, I'd be going through Excel spreadsheets and working out what I needed to get on site. So th- this is when you're in the superintendent. Like yeah, when, when you were. You're on the other side, essentially. Yeah, so we're in the senior management, and then I'd have to set up projects, right? Well, all Mm. we do, we do a one-stop shop. So you just ring up, say, we've got two jumbos, two boggers, you know, two ITs, and all the ground support, all the vent, all the poly products that you need, and all the rock tools turn up with your cap lamps and chargers, and you just open up the sea containers, and away you go. Because is that one of the biggest, oh, like, constraints or bloody- just headaches you can go through is having different supply for different products and it's just a bloody nightmare to yeah, that's keep right. it up to date. So there. there's up to seven suppliers for the products that we do, which means you've got to have seven vendor agreements and you've got to have seven mm. purchase orders a month. So we do it all 
as one purchase order, one invoice, yep. and one remittance, and that's it. So uh, we've got operations in uh, Papua New Guinea and the Philippines at the moment that you know they do the account once a week. We, we're selling somewhere between five and ten thousand products a month yep. to the projects, and we raise an invoice by. 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and it's remitted out the way by 10 a.m. So, oh, really? Yeah. It's done. It's yeah. a very, very simple process, yeah. and um, it's it's different to to what others are doing in the industry. But by having the four pillars and putting all the uh, products, all your ground support, all of your rock tools, everything through the one service. So, what's your four pillars? So, you got ground support, ground support. So every Ventilation. we do all all a full suite of ground support, no matter what the geotechs need on site. Yeah. We do the full full suite. We do all the rock tools. We've got R and D innovation into the diamond encrusted bits. Yep. Um, I think we're the only ones. There's only three that do that currently. So ground support, rock tools, all of the vent products yep. that you need. Your full. We do all the bi duct. We do all the uh, high strength GSM all in welded duct, so we've got the right product there. And then we do the HDPE products as well. What's that high-density poly? So all your poly products, um, all of your poly products, all of your Plasson fittings, all of your coupling and adapters and so on and so forth. So it's all in the sea containers and away we go, mate. Because how do you go with uh, storage? Like how do you – are you like a – you know, the, the one of Nick Scarly furniture, that's a, this is random, but yep. they're, I don't know if you're the same as this, like their business model, like they have bugger all stock on site. It's all purchased to order, shipped elsewhere. Like, yeah, if you're supplying so much, so we how, hold- how do you, do you, do you store at a central location or you go straight from manufacturer to the site? How, how does that so whole work? So we hold all our stock in our factories. Yep. Right, and then we overload site with stock. So rather mm. than having to spend a huge amount of money on warehousing in Perth, mm. the mine sites have got a massive amount of space available. So we bring factory direct, come yep. straight through port, and then go straight to site. So if you're out as it were, and is that a bit of a challenge on your end, where like you're the one stop shop for the mine sites, but you're you're doing the hard work to yeah. get all the seven factories or so to ship all those correct four pillars at once is there is that a bit of a logistical challenge on your well, end each contract we win we appoint an account manager to it and so they manage that project so yep. they keep complete oversight on the numbers and the usages and the min maxes so they know exactly where they sit yeah the, the the secret to it is is that when you need a tool on the jumbo and you put your hand down for a jumbo bar if you don't have a jumbo bar Production stops mm. straight away. Now, that's on a micro level, right? But when you look at it on a macro level where we're running just-in-time stock on site, um, if you run out of reamers or if you run out of 1220 vents or if you run out of, you know, clamps for your poly fittings, this can happen, you know, 5, 10, 15 times a day. In Australia, we're very good at it and we've got, we're lucky that we've got um, access to so many suppliers so there's always a backup. Yeah, but in other jurisdictions, if you if it stops, everything stops behind it, and so that's that's the point of difference that we bring. Rock tool, you know, rock tool suppliers. When I used to set up contracts previously, they'd want to put 300, 400 bits on site, brand new bits, and then roll them through. Well, we we plonk a thousand on site straight away. 
so that that gives us that breathing space to get them resharpened and brought yeah. back up on site. So, yeah, but how does that work? Are they paying for the thousand straight up, or you're we hold it on our balance sheet? You're you're wearing the risk, yeah, so, straight up, yeah. So we yeah. back the company. We're the service provider. Yeah, we support the company, right? So we hold it on our balance sheet, and what we believe is is that by us holding it, that um. By us holding it on our balance sheet, that frees up that OPEX so that they can put it into more diamond drilling, which yep. equates yep. into more, uh, the larger the block model, which equates into more ounces. Can it, can it bite you in the ass, but as a bit in the ass? Yeah, it's arse. a balance. Yeah, because like, you're, you're wearing the risk. Well, we're a business partner. Yep. So they have to, the clients recognize that they have to remit to keep that stock flowing. Yeah. And by doing that process, it works very, very well. How, how is it that you've, uh, you're predominantly overseas at the moment with all your contracts. Has it, has it been easier to get into overseas than get into Australia? How's We how's- recognise there's a major gap. Because I'm an expat and have been yeah. for, you know, yeah. 10 years, this is where I identified where the gap was. So I jumped into that gap and we've been testing the business model for 18 months now and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's, it's satisfied the gap. It works. Yeah. So one project, uh, they were at about 300 metres a month and they kept running out of stock. They were having problems and they were trying to follow the standard process of just in time. Yeah. So Pronto only looks backwards. It doesn't look forwards. Um, so Pronto was saying they were, they were using 1,400 and they'd order 1,400 bolts or whatever it was. Well, to grow into the future, you have to be able to stay in front of the production curve, and that's what we bring through our um, through the expertise of of being in that position for a lot of years. Yeah, it's it, interesting. It it's, is interesting. It's like <clears throat> it, it's you take you just take it for granted because when I've never worked in a mine site store, you know, I've just gone and grabbed the shit and gone down the hole. You know, like it's it's yeah, it, it's all this what's going on in the background. It's a it's a bit of a blind spot for most of the operators, but then the whole supply side of things is. Because how like on a let's say on an Australian mine side, how many for for the supply for the products that you supply? Yep. In an Australian mine side, how many suppliers could they have for all the they products might you have supply? Seventeen or eighteen suppliers, just to supply all those those four pillars. So it's yeah. seventeen or eighteen um, different vendor numbers, and it's yep. it's um, so they say that to raise a purchase order. Uh, this is off statistics that it costs about 250 bucks to raise one PO. Yep. Once the admin and you follow through the mm. process flow to get it from um, supply through to remittance. So there's a whole departments that are running that. So what we find with our clients, they just allocate one person for two hours a week yep. to manage it. And it's very simple. Yeah. And then we run it. So we're looking at it from, you know, we brought in contractors to run. Uh, the underground operations, and we've we've worked out that contractors are very good at they do things better because they've got a singular focus on getting that development out yeah. and production out. So we're taking the mindset that we want to be the service provider to the supply side, to the mining consumable side, what we know best, um, and then that way that can decouple it from the mining from the supply side and freeze them up to do other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we innovate, yeah. like we innovate very, very quickly. Um we do we do bogger stops. We've got our engineering division over there, which is is developing. But uh the main thing is 
if there's a problem in mining, we engineer it out straight away. And by, you know, service hangers, we're doing these exceptional service hangers at the moment that are making a big difference, and that dovetails into the supply of what we do. All of our mining products that work, we develop them. We try to 5S as much as we can so that there's not a lot of excess stock on site. And you've yeah. seen the yards mm. when you end up with large amounts of stock that you never use where well, we try and get rid of the stuff they don't use. Yeah. Osro straps, we try and keep them on just three metre or four metre Osro straps so there's only one type. Yeah. And you don't – do you need fives or fours or threes? Well, I, well, I think I've used the – is it the six metre ones? They're bloody hard work. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Well, you just do what you've got to do with them. Yeah, they're bloody, they're bloody pains. But yeah. yeah. So – Because what's your, what's your point of difference? Is it the – like you got your – I guess the ease of you saying the purchase order side of things, but is it? Are you trying to beat prices? Is that the goal? Like, what's, well, what, what, we what, think there's four opportunities. So, the first opportunity we see is that we do the four pillars, right? We do all the we do all the suite of products that you use during the development and production cycle. So, yeah. when you you can ring up and say we need it and we've got it, it's ready to go. So, the others are all specialised in their separate fields, whereas we do the full suite. Um, the second thing is the admin side. We see there's a major cost reduction for a miner to have less admin uh, mm. on their mine site, and that's, as you know, process is, is um, very expensive. And the third side of it is the opportunity cost. So by, de by sitting on our balance sheet and you having the stock on site and available, what we see is that that frees up capital to put it in somewhere else because yeah. it's all about ounces, isn't it? Yeah, at the well, end that's of the day. It. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, it's amazing the amount of money that goes into supplying a mining contract. I, I don't even know, but I just look at the cost of everything that we're just grabbing willy nilly yep. to take down. They'll even just like bags of shackles. It's uh, it all all just adds up. It's bloody yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is that it's so much there's so much shrinkage in the mine, you know. So. Mm. Drop a bag of shackles over the IT bar. <laughs> exactly. I want to hit you up about these uh, the grade line lasers. This this looks cool. Oh, I've heard about them. I've never seen one, but in yeah, action. So, so we've just what's this the is, go? It's coming through now. This is a ripper. So are they? We, in, have you? Have you? Sold yeah, we're on yet? production run number two, and they're in trial at the moment. So what we've got, they shoot a hundred meters, right? So. Yeah. What we do with our grade lines, they jump in the same spigot as our standard laser. So we've created okay, these yep, for yep. the bogger ops and the shift bosses, right? Yep. So you go in, you jump on your laser, you you get your line and you take your shot with the jumbo. Yep. Um, then the bogger op comes in afterwards and you know how we're always asking survey to come down mm, to get yep. your grade lines up to date and it's a hard job for them because they've got to do their reports. So we've taken the view that if we can – Chuck this in the same spigot as what the jumbo lasers in. Yeah. That the bogger up can come down, push up. Shift boss can meet him. They chuck the grade line laser in. They mark their own grade lines yep. up, and then you know that you're online and on grade. So it's a pretty straightforward well, system. What's the? How does the technology work? How how does it do that compared to a normal laser? Is You'd it? have to talk to my engineers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It looks like it looks like something out of a bloody Batman movie out of well, the, the I think it's the bloody... same lasers as what they use in the nightclubs and everything. All yeah, the, yeah. Uh, all of that. So the first thing we had to make sure that we were safe to use them in the underground environment. Yeah. So we went through that compliance. But the benefit is they shoot a hundred meters. They're a yeah. ripper. So yeah. you can get that as long as you got 
10 metres of grade line to jump on on both sides in front of your laser spigot, yep. you can shoot it right down the whole drive and it gets you to the face. It'd be good if they went through the bogger and you could just leave it in while you're bloody, <laughs> while you're bogged. <laughs> you and I gun. know what happens when you leave lasers <laughs> near bogger operators. They're, uh, but maybe it'll stop them hitting the lasers on the wall yeah, as well. well. That's it. What With these, is a query I've got. From You're saying these shoot 200 yep. for the actual laser. How you have to have a distator to accompany it. So you mark 50 metre 50 meter increments on the wall and then you disto from the last 50. Yeah. Yep. Is there what, – what's the limitations with distos? Why can't a disto shoot too Well, what do we get to? So we've got the Leica X3s that we use generally. I get to about 90 on them and then I'm in the mm. bush, you know. Yeah. You don't quite know if you're hitting it right. So what we used to do is just mark them on the wall. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise the biggest problem we've had in the lasers is getting jumbo operators to walk 150 metres back mm. and pick it up. Yep. And yep. that's the only issue that we've had. Well, it, I suppose that you can't have a perfect world every time, but if you can get if you can get surveyed, actually put the lasers in so they're, you know, 400 off, four or 500 off the wall, at least then you can shoot. Yeah. Down, like they're, they're obviously an, it's on the a curve. It's the offset centres yeah, that drive us crazy. Well, it's when you're- you're only going to be able to shoot 200 when you're on a straight. Like That's you right. can't, like when you're curving, you can't for obvious reasons. But so as long as they put it half a metre off all and you can shoot it down the side of the jumbo, you, you can, you can put it in, go grab it later or send That's someone right. else. So to we're it. developing a product to do that. That'll give us a 200 metre right or left offset. Yeah. So same spigot yet again. And we just, we jump on it and then we set it from there. So is there, is there any, um, issues with, like margin, does your margin for error increase once you get into that 200 or there? Yeah, so the lasers, it's called spread, I think the surveyors call it. So you end up with a, no lasers perfect, right, yeah. unless it's um, a high level, you know, the tunnel lasers, they're a 15 gram product. Um, so you get a bit of spread, but what we've, by tightening our tolerances and having that magnetic switch, it's developed in a military factory. So yeah. it's a, you've used them, you've seen how tight they are in the spigots. We get about a 10 millimetre spread over 100 metres. So, yep. you know, 10 millimetres well, over 100. Well, it's the width of a bloody uh, stripe paint. of paint nearly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's all it is. And um, generally speaking, we found that we can usually reduce overbreak uh, from the clients that are using them. They say about 3 or 4% overbreak uh, reduction. Mm. But the benefit is the face cap is that um, – the surveyors don't have to go underground as much. They can just, their monthly reconciliation, yeah. they know that they're online and they're not putting in offset lasers. So we factored in seven to 12 hours a week in uh, cost reductions to the business. We've got a cost-benefit analysis that we've done and we think it's fairly valid. And and the feedback from the clients is huge. They're in nearly 20 countries now. Have you got many of these in Australia? Yeah, we're, um, we've got about... 12 or 14 clients in Australia yeah. that use them and the feedback. Well, there's very little feedback. Just, it, it's just easy. The yeah. problems go away. Yeah. So yep. they're yep. good. Once we bring the grade line in, that'll make a big difference. And if we can get the offset one done, then uh, then we're off and running from there. So. What, what's the offset one? Explain that. So you just put the laser in at 90, uh, the spigot in the wall at 90 degrees and you come yep. in, you've got a bar arm that comes out Yep. and you jump on that bar arm and that gives you your dead straight shot. Ah, right. Eh? Yep. So rather than having to offset all the time, yep. it'll follow the wall down. Ah, right. Eh? I'll have to see it in action. It's got legs, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a small product. 
that we get so frustrated with. You know what would be cool? Of the, I think of weird shit down the hole when I'm boring holes bored out of my brain. So yeah. it's uh, if if you can get a laser that can project a face mark up. Yes, we've been working. Have you on thought that. about that? We've been working on that. Is it possible? So that's where the name Drill Cube come from. It is possible. There is a laser that does it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like oh. so, it projects a five by five markup. Yeah. Onto so a what face. we wanted to do, well, Sandvik have now got Osure, so they're pretty much that's in the program now. That's yeah. the difference. But on the older four two ones, we wanted to just put a drill, a little cube up on top of the cabin that you just yep. switch on it shoots the block pattern onto the face yeah right yep now yep. it's possible yep. but there's safety problems there's uh reflection to come back and yeah we had a look at it for quite a while it could be developed but i think it's going to be obsolete by the time we get it to market ah, yeah yep. so that's the thing well, I, sure I, don't, I don't think they'll um they will oh, bloody lost me uh bloody computers they i don't think you're ever going to replace the 421 split feed jump, like, like what you can do, bolt mesh, oh, bolt amazing. mesh boring. Like, like the four, 422 eyes are, uh, are great when you've got the headings and you, yep. you can you can smash your bloody six metre rounds, but they're, they're not applicable everywhere. And they're what, what, as you said, what you can get out of one split feed jumbo now is un, unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And you look at when we go, you know, you, you start up the expat jobs um, and you're overseas, you're training up a workforce, you're de developing a jurisdiction. You know, there's a lot of challenges. The fitters, you've got to get your fitters trained up and you've got to have parts and stock available. You know, the 421s are an amazing jumbo. Mm. You can take them to work and they just do not break. No. Oh, God. Oh, you've got to be careful with them now with the – they drill so much quicker, but there's a lot – behind it that makes it drill quicker that you've got to maintain like that lube circuit now like the hlx5 drifters you could oh like a bloody tractor like they were a you, tractor. yeah but you gotta if that you gotta be so careful with the lube circuit now make sure it's it's running properly because if it's not you can you cook a drifter in the do they cook shift. quick i haven't yeah. done much on the yeah because of the because you got that stabilizer circuit now like because what is it i think it's gone from 60 something hertz to 90 yep. hertz the percussion frequency rate that's what look high frequency drifter so there's that much more going on in there you take the lube away it just destructs so quickly and um and the way the whole cooling circuit works through the um well you know you used to jam full percussion on with the bloody yeah with the for the old HLX-5s to jam your bolts in. So, yeah, I used to drill on it full time. Yeah, well, so did, well, so did I because you, once you're – especially for collaring and everything. It yeah, was, you're it off was and awesome. Running. Yeah, but once – and once you – there's no different of having it on like, but it when cooks, you're on Is that why it cooks in your drifters? Though, on the, the new one. So, times. the full percussion drops the – it drops out the stabiliser circuit, which ah. is that extra – it's like a third accumulator that I'm probably speaking out my arse here because I'm not a fitter. But it – um. That whole circuit is what is needed for that extra yeah, extra percussion. Drill, yeah. So it, once they drop that out, it just you just cook it, and then even like simple things, if you leave if you leave rotation on, yep. just free spinning in the air, the cooling circuits run through the percussion, so the that rotation's just ends up generating a lot of heat and just cooking the bloody seals. So it's it's they all these it's all these little things that like we we had a. I think it was RDSA come in to give us a spiel about like all these things and like you just because you just don't know 
a lot, lot of the joints have timers on the full percussion now to drop it out to see i never knew that that was for the for that uh what do you call it the stabilizer circuit. yeah i never yeah. realized that. yeah but and a lot of people don't like and you they wonder why they're cooking all the drifters. It's all these little things and they're, they're and not this, cheap. They're bloody 90 grand or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and this happens in the expat world, you know, and yeah. it even happens in Australia still these days is that we're not fully aware of the reasons why, but you've got to train this into your people as well yeah. and that's one of the hardest things. There's so much shit. As I said, there's so much shit that can go wrong now with these bloody cameras and everything and lights and, oh, unbelievable. Where's, so, where are you stationed? Uh, we're we're Perth based, yeah. so that's the thing. Uh, we have our remote operations, so we've, like I said, we're over in eighteen countries now. Um, but we're Perth based, and uh, we're actually going to push into New Zealand now. There's a few new mines that are kicking yeah, right. off over there, so yeah. we're discussing with those guys. It's a great time to be in gold, which oh, is what we're centric yeah. with, and you know we've seen the the gold story in WA, and we we want to be at the at the leading edge, we want to be in WA because this is where most of it happens. Is you that know? is that the is that the vision? Is that what you're striving for? Getting some big contracts in WA? Uh, yeah, we'll push for we'll push for a few. We know that what we've got is is a good value offering, and we're sure yeah. that um, it'll develop holistically as it goes forward. Mm. But um, a lot of the international ones, the problems that they encounter, that we know that. Uh, we can satisfy the issues that they that they have. And the other thing, you know, we do a yearly – so we do our pool testing and everything quarterly, but we do a yearly safety and production report for our clients. So yeah. I go over there with um, with our team and we go and do a review, another set of eyes, yeah. and we bring in innovations that we've seen in the other operations where we're working. You know, there's auto drill coming through yeah. and there's a lot of – there's new bogger stops that are getting made which are pretty good. So we see them and then we communicate it, communicate it through, excuse me. Have you, got, have you got any bloody info about those diamond- um, Encrusted bits. Diamond encrusted bits sound bloody interesting. I've well, the, heavy, the heavyweights are, are in that space as well and we're the smaller player that's having a crack at it. We recognise that there's a big opportunity there Yeah. because um, if we can get the auto drill up and running, then, uh, then we're off and running. There's not too many bits in there, but uh, that's so what, is the production that, is run. That, that's the that's a what a that's Chinese our bit factory looks like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so yeah. the factory that we use, the partnership we've got, uh, we use all the uh, Avaco steel, yeah. and we use the Element Six tungsten, so same as the as the Euros. Yeah, and we use the same European production process as well. How, how much? God, how much would it cost to have a bloody bit that goes for eight thousand meters? You, you're paying for it. You yeah, want the operator to lose cheap. that in his bag. They're not cheap, but the opportunity cost of being able to have one operator, the safety separation from not having to change bits eight, ten times mm. a shift, yeah. uh, is a potential. Now it's an R and D project, but it definitely has legs. You know, mm. like it's definitely got scope to improve, and we know that once we can. Once we get to a point where you can drill in between shifts and you don't have to worry, mm. the only the only issue we've got in the bits is body wash. The bodies are wearing out before the bits. Oh yeah, I know you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. the the actual um, casing is wearing down, and then that releases the bits after about eight thousand. But it's yep. not the bits themselves. Yeah. So That's unbelievable. Eight thousand. Me obviously ground ground dependent. Like yeah. you need the uh, 
need the ground to support it. But if you can square it up, if you get the right mine in the right conditions, you could really make a difference to the op, you know, and that'll that'll equate down to um, lower unit prices again. Well, exactly. Like, yeah, what is it, the bloody C, what are they called, CPM, cost per metre? or Yeah. Yeah, the consumable cost per metre. It's uh, – but, yeah, the if you can even just being able to drill a burn over shift change, which I think they can at the moment, but it depends if you've got abrasive – well, you've Grand got to program your drill to step yeah. off it, you know, and to yeah. step off the 30 or 50 metres that they've got them set to. So with this one, with the 48, once we get to a point of getting that into the market, we think that that's going to be the auto drill function. Mm. And well, it's going to be great because, you know, safety meetings in the morning, they can drag out sometimes and then pickups in the afternoon, yeah. they can drag out. So we're losing that, that period, you know. Mm. With this, we can actually get it going. Yeah, that's where well, it's free meters for the operator. They'll take it any day. I just like well, I wonder. I haven't I haven't seen the four twenty twos in action too much, to be honest. Like, I haven't been on one or anything. But yep. I just I'd, I'd be so interested to see how how it works. Well, you know what it's like when you when your collar and perimeters and your yep. your perimeters jagged and you can God you can bloody you can have your boring bushes in or whatever yep. and like you just you can't. I just find it hard to believe that a computer is going to be able to detect. They're amazing. Yeah, like I just love to see it out. Like, you know, when you have to, you know, put your boom a bit sideways just to get it in, then bend it around to get like when you're it's just on incredible. edges and everything. But like, I'd be interested to see how this computer does that. It replaces the, I guess, the well, intuition I've seen of an operator. We've worked with them extensively now um, in the management role, and um, I just think they're the future. To come back in, to know your overbreak percentages are down where they are, the key mm. to them is, is to get the programming done right, yep. and that's where the engineers are coming in now. Um, and to, it's very simple to go with a generic a generic pattern, but the secret is you've got to have the smart cuts programmed into it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the center line of the sumps and turnouts and having your pillars done right and everything like yeah. that. But when you um see them in action, they can drill, mate. Like they're yeah, an oh, incredible they're, machine. But the the maintenance on them because they're just drilling holes. They're not. They, you're not. You're not slapping them around, bolting yeah. like you. They they get they get so much out of a. Out of the drill, you're not well, scaling with them. We recently, um, at one of our projects, our shank, we got 5,800 off of one shank off the iShore software. T45 or uh, they T38. T38. They're running T38. So yeah. T38, we got 5,800 metres. Now that drilled for nearly, I think it was six or seven days to get yeah. that 5,800 metres. The other side, we've got 6,050 metres. Well, what are, oh, I don't know if this is interesting got, to the to the global industry, oh, but yeah, oh, it interests me because we we use T forty five shanks. They, they never break. No, oh, they don't. Awesome. Why 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 do they persist with T? Why, why wouldn't you use T forty five? Well, is this is what the clients it? want, so they come out with a T thirty eight. We recommend the the T forty five because it it's you know it's a good system. You don't have to worry about shanks, especially when you're the boring. Time. There's no limit. Like it's just a different coupling. The couplings give way more than the actual shank. Yeah, like, yeah, that's it. So, um, we um we recommend the T forty five. They make a huge difference, mm. but you know, horses for but, but I suppose if you're not like for those boring rigs, if you're not scaling and you haven't got that chatter, like you. Teeth, you can get away with the T38. And they're soft. They drill soft. It's quite mm. amazing. They're so. an unreal sound, bud, aren't they? Like you just hear that. Oh, it's just it gets gets me gets me loins tingling when I hear those. <laughs> but I just love them. I love the sound true of them. True jump off, right? Oh, Spoken just, like a true yeah, driller. Yeah, just bloody. 
Oh, I just love it. It'd be. It, they reckon it's a it's a great machine to go on in terms of um, where like because we're just in terms of angles for me and angles for everyone else. You just go off, you know, water off the back of the rail, paralleling and everything. They reckon it's great to go actually on those machines for a few months and actually see the true angle. At first, you, you don't be, believe you sh- it. Yeah, exactly. The it, true angle you should be drilling. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even like, oh, I reckon I'm pretty good on my train track vision. Like I'm pretty sure I'm drilling straight. Yeah, yeah. But like, I reckon if I went on that machine, it'd be like, whoa, even I was probably not well, Sometimes you don't believe it when, you, when mm. you're coming around corners, but I'll tell you what, it does educate you as to the way that things really well, should be it, done. Well, it educates your eye as well. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, you see, you see some ones, they think they're drawn straight. They, you go put a tape measure back at the front of the rail, they're bloody hooking out like anything. It's pretty it's, good. I, where, I'm, I get really interested in the records that get achieved around the world, mm. you know. Like I love to see what the really high level – and we don't record it properly, you know. Yeah. It's probably an opportunity for you to – to for the oh, boys to touch base big on – dick swinging contest. On what they're getting. <laughs> but, you know, you look at the numbers that are getting achieved and mm. you just think – if if you know, because mining really is just flipping burgers. We're doing the same thing in the in a different mine, and there's a little bit of parameters, but yep. we're just flipping burgers. It's basically a franchise globally. Yeah, it is. Uh, but how does one mine get a thousand and fifty, and another one only gets a hundred and twenty? Oh, know, it's, when- it's like, but it, as I said, it's all ground support and, and ground conditions. If you've, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure where they got that thousand meters, they didn't have to put any more than three or four reamers in a cut to, to pull it. Whereas you go to other joints where it's laminated soft and you have to put six. up to eight reamers in yeah, it to get try, and crack. you still can't bloody pull it. Like it's it's horses for courses really. Yeah. And, and you got the your good solid ground where you don't, you only have to mesh just below the shoulder. And, and whereas you go somewhere where you've got a scale shitload, scale well, up to 16 one. sheets of mesh, and yeah. then it's hard work. And, and, and that's it. And like, it's say so I'm a bit I'm a bit the opposite. I, I hate the record stuff. Like, like I, you hear all the because I've you see it so often, you got the big. The, yep. the big the big top dog like of the site, but they're they're always offline. They're they're rough as guts on the machine. Tends to be. They're, yep. they're not setting up the cross shift like there, but they're the ones getting the big numbers on paper. That, I and find the it fascinating love it. where the leading edge is. I find that that front line, that leading edge of of who's doing what and yeah. the direction that that's what I find fascinating. Yeah. But I like the probably the best operator I've seen lately. He was in. He was up at. Uh, my other, other site, not the one I'm at the moment, he's from Queensland, but he was not, um, yeah, Rip he, tear he, bust. just clean, just clean. But he'd like, he'd bank like his eye was unreal, cuts just come out beautiful, and, yep. he, and he'd still smash it out. But he, but it was, he was just going all day. Heron was like that, he was awesome for yeah, it, yeah. And he's yep. like, he wasn't doing anything like impressive, but it's just like bang it, like no mistakes, just, just cruising, yeah. And he, and he wouldn't. He'd never be. He'd never speak to anyone like a dog. Like he'd, he'd like, and he's just he'd let the fitter go do their twenty minute daily on it, and just and that's what he, you and want. He'd smash it out, and he'd smash it out every day. Like he'd, obviously, he'd have his bad days. Everyone has their bad days, but that's what I reckon should and, be looked at. People, that and that's up. what we want in management. You know, you want to know you've got a fully compliant miner. You want to know they're following the safety systems and that things yeah. are getting done right because. 
what I found when I was upstairs, I didn't like the feeling of knowing that maybe people were breaching because it's a people process, yeah. right? You give them the rules and the regs and the policies and so on, send them to work. Yeah. But when the boys are down the hole, effectively they can do whatever they want, you know, really. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I always look for is that is that safe bet that when they're down the hole and you know they're doing the right thing and they get what they get. Mm. Then you can work on the edges to try and improve the systems and knock the bottlenecks out of their way, so that they can, so they can get more with that, that but, system. But you can still like you, you can still get a lot bloody done by being neat and consistent. Smart. Like you don't have to. Yeah, I, I just yeah, it's it's just trying to be smart with it. Like the, the jumbos. The jumbo can't drill any quicker for another bloke than one other bloke. It's Correct. going to drill as quick. It's 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 all how you bloody use the booms. And, no, and it's very interesting, mate. I, I love just it. love it. Yeah, it's, you, but you got to be passionate. And as we said before, you got to treat it like a sport. Like you got to you got to turn up and like the, the way I look at being on the jumbo, it's like that's my business. Like I'm down Correct. there. Yep. Like even though I'm working for someone else, it's like you're turning up and. The shit you're pulling down there, that that spreads around. That that. Buddy, this is that- what I love about our game is that um, nobody in the real. When I was eighteen, and I I used to see the old. I'd be in the uh, in the street in uh, in Broken Hill where I was born, right? And you see these old guys, and people used to walk around them, and I'd think, who's that silly old buggy, you know? Yeah. And then you go underground. I was I was so I was playing footy and. Um, Playing footy and you've got a, a youth presence in the town you grow up in, right? Yeah. And then I went down the hole and I was just a child underground. And then you yeah. see these old old drillers and these old miners and, and they hold a respect and they've got an endearment amongst them, you know. And yeah. and you look at them and you're like, wow, this bloke's uh, there's something about this guy. They sit where they sit in the crib room and mm. everybody holds them in high regard. And you don't realise that these old stalwarts, these old blokes that just trundle around town in their stubbies and thongs, yeah. that they're actually legends, you mm. know, and exactly, that they built yeah. a career. They're the yeah. Gary Ablets and they're the Dustin, um, Dustin, what's his Martin. name? Martins yeah. of the game, you know. Mm. And and once you realise that there is the hierarchy of what we work under and the way that these people who are the leaders in the game, that they've built a brand and they've built a career, you've got to respect it. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it's um, it's a it's – a- it's like a yeah, it's like a sporting organ. That whole industry is like mining yep. in underground mining is like a whole sport on its own. It's yeah, as you said, you got the 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 legends, the hall of famers, the record. Like it's all, it's, it's like a big, it's like a big sport, isn't it? And everyone's so, I don't know why it is, but it's it's such a industry you can get so passionate about. Like because as yeah. you said, it's fun. Like you're down there, you got you you try you you're finishing your cut off. You got charge up behind you. They're like it's all just a bit of a like a bit of a race, like you get a bit. Yeah, it's of it. awesome, mate. And then you, they, no, and the missus wonders why you get out of the hole, and I just want to sink as much bloody piss as I can because <laughs> like, you come out and your adrenaline's just pumping if, if you have a good day. And she well, wants, that's she, the she other bit of an alcohol free day. I'm like, I can't. I'm too pumped up. You got to wash the dust away, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to wash the dust away. That's the other thing I used to talk to the tech services and that about. You know, they'd ask questions as to why the miners would do the things that they do, and I said. It's adrenaline. It's fight or flight. They've got so much adrenaline pumping mm. through the system that they're rushing at all times. Like they're pushing the whole time because they're on the field. Mm. And same as when footy players finish a game and they talk to the camera, they're prattling on at a million miles an hour because that's their yeah. mindset. Yeah. Afterwards, they probably just talk quietly, you know. But 
it's the same underground. Why did they rush? Why did they do this? What mm. happened there? You know, and you say it's the adrenaline. You've, well, there's yeah, a point you where cut. you got to slow down. Well, you do. Like when I, I sense myself gritting my teeth sometimes, and like really, I'm like <laughs> just you got to hold. You got to put the handbrake on a bit because that's when shit goes wrong. Like there's, exactly. I shouldn't be working any different in the last half an hour in my shift as I was before because I, I I should be just trying to do that's it. That's when the mistakes get made. Yeah, just there's no point rushing at the end because. You, you should you're not gonna you should be doing it the fastest you can all day. Yep. So and Russian <laughs> doesn't bloody work. We um the other thing about WA and Australia, what we've done is our safety systems, you know, and yeah. and we've got to be thankful for the development of the safety systems that we've been through here. In the early years, there's some frustrations, but I think. I believe now that um, we've led the world's charge. We've actually changed the whole global mining industry, you know. Just getting, <laughs> we are just getting bloody uh, just passionate about jumbos, weren't we? <laughs> Jeez, we went a bit bloody. Whoa, yeah, it makes you sweat talking about it, doesn't it? I, I said I to the, uh, I think I'm, I'm part of the more weird, the weirder part of the community in terms of, like, so I go to work, you, you miss the kids and everything. Every time, but once I once I get them steels turning down there, it's just like oh, I'm in me I'm in me zen down here. Well, it's- you're one of the few NBA jumbo operators that I know. <laughs> I don't know how many there are out there, but I think you'd be up in the oh, upper echelon, yeah, mate. Yeah, bloody what a waste of money that was. <laughs> oh, I got a feeling one day it's very much going to come into play. I'll see how it goes. I forgot most of it anyway, so I think I got it on my hard drive. I'll have to go revise it or something. It's pretty interesting, mate. <laughs> Yeah, but like I was saying, like I'm very proud of how we developed the safety systems in our game, you know, and that now that we're taking it over to other industries and they're developing their industries and they're realising, you know, somebody once said to me, when a gold miner comes to town, everybody benefits, Yep. you know. It's put you through uni and it's putting mm. your kids through a private school and same with my family. They've had a good upbringing. When we went to Africa, there was um, was pushback from the locals, you know, because they seen us as exploiting uh, their gold. Yeah. But then when you see a guy buy his first car or gets his kids into school for the first time yeah. and then you see the kids get a university education for the first time, you realise that, the transition that we've made, they're also making. So it it's a beautiful industry that it actually that it supports so many people. Yeah. In Papua New Guinea, in every in every continent too. Like it's, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah. our project in PNG. At one stage, the workforce was ninety percent illiterate. You know, yeah. and now we had to develop policies and procedures that they could understand because they can't read or write. Yeah. So now we're starting to get to a point where they're on board and they're fully committed, but their kids are going to school, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're safe at work. They're not getting hurt. Nothing's going wrong. We're bringing good systems in. And not only that, they get to play with the very best toys in the world, yeah. you know, with the 422s mm. and the 517s and 621s. They're starting to use these Just toys. Just random numbers, isn't it, Grads? <laughs> they're not so random, though. Yeah, that's yeah we the understand thing. what they're they are. They're not so random. <laughs> and that's what I love most about our game is that um, you, can, you can bring so much to other people, you know. Yeah, well, we've got a few of your um, overseas photos here. I'll bring yeah, them up. there's a few old clunkers there. So this is an Aussie project that we. Um, this looks. That's a. Uh, do they still wear? The, is that a actual just a t-shirt? Because they wear t-shirts over there, don't they? Yeah, that's just a random photo that we grabbed. That. Jeez, uh, he's bloody how much? He's. You wouldn't want him to 
wrap his bloody get his hands. He's a big horse. Clearly, he's not eating the West African food too much, but yeah. he seems pretty happy. Yeah. We've got a shot of. I think we've got a shot of up in P and G when we first kicked off up there. Where's that one? Oh, that's uh, that was at Tuju Bukit over in Indonesia. Oh yeah. So um, that was in Java. We we cut. That was during the portal cut. Most beautiful mine site I've ever seen. Yeah. So um, that's actually at the box cut there when we were excavating and the view from the shift boss office, which was about 50 metres to the left, was out over the Java Sea. Oh, um, you don't get that in bloody uh, in Leinster or Cowboy. Well, well our, dongers, our dongers were 80 metres from the beach, so you'd wake up in the morning, go yeah. for a body surf. Really? Yeah, at yep. four. We'd get up at four, run out as the sun was breaking. Yeah. Do a bit of a body surf and then eat some fish and some uh, some fresh fruit for breakfast yeah. and then come in and jump on the portal. So that was um, an what amazing job. Most beautiful mine site I've ever seen. Yeah. How far is that down now? Still uh, going? I think the guys, they ended up putting in, um, I think they put an 1,800-metre exploration drive in out yeah. over the ore body. Took a couple of years and had some bad ground conditions, but they got through it and then uh, now they're using it as a drill platform. That's going to be a globally significant ore body, that yeah, one. Right. It's huge. And local community again, you know, so development, fully full development of the local community, tertiary education for yeah. the engineers and so on and so yeah. forth. It'll be a 40-year mine and everybody benefits, you know. What a God. Uh, it's when we went over. This is my old mate. Uh, Kabir, when we went over to uh, El Teniente, the world's largest underground mine, I think they've got 220 jumbos in play. Where, where's that? That's in Chile. So, ah, right. And, there um, you go. I always had it in my head that um, bloody Freeport was the biggest. So this is the biggest. The I biggest. think that uh, this is bigger. I think they've got 220, 220 jumbos. jumbos. They're developing Chucky Kamada. We were talking to the guys over there quite extensively about what we do and then COVID come along and uh, yep. everything trundled. But it's very good to see um, their ore bodies are massive, yep. like, truly massive. They've got a 50-year mine, rolling mine plan. Far out. What, what is it, uh, copper, is it? Copper, gold, yeah. yeah. So And um, big ore bodies, massive, massive calderas and a wonderful country and pretty amazing people as well. I'd That's say that as far as R&D goes, they might – be just in front of the Aussies, I reckon. Yeah, right. That's um, you, you've got it down pat. The pronunciation of all this, like you've got a, you've, you've got every, every uh, dialect sussed with the amount of mind sites you would have had to pronounce over yeah, time. It's pretty interesting. And then this is the kickstart up at uh, up at Canaan Two, which is a um a PNG project. Yep. This is the old. Uh, Atlas 20 tonner that they had at the beginning. We're now running AD45s and we've got the 422 in there. You know, it's not WA with the green trees. Oh, it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful mate. It's it? a beautiful, beautiful jurisdiction. And um, the development of the people's been amazing again. Yeah. So, well, it, it becomes so much more than mining, doesn't it? The way you talk about, as you said, you put like with the people, the communities, uh, it's just. Well, they're your mates, you know, and you, um, you, you, same mateship that we develop when we're working together and that trust that we have yeah. as a group, you know, that your yeah. trusting manage management's looking after you and you're looking yeah. after them. We develop the same things over there and um, that's what I love the most. Yeah. I love the community and I love seeing the kids being able to go to school and, and get developed and so on. Yeah. And this was at Tuju Bukit as well. This was um, about 60 metres from our donga. Yeah. Yep. So we could go fishing and go swimming and we'd eat, eat fresh craze every night and it was oh. just 
It was nice. Unreal. Not bad at all. Yeah. So. How long did you spend over there? I had about, I had six months of development over there and then yeah. we finished up, I finished up my role in the consultancy side of it to get their system set up set yeah. up, and then went over to P&G. That outcrop there is actually called Red Island. Yeah, right. And which is uh, Tujubuka, which means Red Island. And um, that's, that's a copper gold outcrop. That's part of the ore body. Oh, I don't really? think we'll be stoping that. I've got a funny feeling. So. <laughs> You're chopping the top off it. <laughs> Could be a bit of water <laughs> yeah, ingress on that one. Of, you might need some big pumps on that. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's all. So when you were doing all this stuff, was this um, in parallel with getting drill cube to where? Yeah. It is so now? we were developing at the same time. So I I'd go in um, as a uh, rapid development specialist to help set yep. up the systems, make sure the drills and the targets were set and everything along those lines. And then generally um, I'd act um, as a consultant through Drill Cube and then generally we'd assist them with the products as yep. well. Yep. So it's sort of – it's I don't I didn't plan on this career. No. Nah. It sort of just happened. Yep. And did, uh, you, did you always have that sort of business tenacity but in you? I don't know. You, you wanted to work for yourself? Well, I always considered my jumbo a business as it was anyway, yeah, well, you know, so too. I took that sort of ownership and I never, you know, I had a high high energy personality and I never had that I, I couldn't care less attitude. I always wanted to try and find that extra bit yeah. and and I just got lucky in my career that um, didn't make too many mistakes, never hurt anyone, touch wood, and uh, and then just progressed holistically from there. Where are you at on the curve of uh, the drill cube journey? Is it right well, I think at the base at the start? Where, I think where are you at? I think we're at 5 or 10%. We want to yep. bring this business model to the world and we want to improve the safety and production systems globally and we yep. think that we've got something. So yep. um, our Indigenous development, we're – uh, applying for accreditation into the to the supply nation yeah. accreditation will be the first to do that and we'd love to be the first um we'd love to be the first uh, publicly listed indigenous corporation in Australia so we're moving through that process now yeah. and as I said we love to develop our community which is the most important thing and the truth be known we're at such a beautiful period in time where we're closing the gap and we're doing all the right things uh, by the traditional owners and we want to push into that uh, space yeah. as much as we possibly can yeah is that is that sort of passion for that sort of things does that stem from your overseas work with communities or with, yeah, I, with native people we've done amazing things in australia already and you know the bhps and the rios are really pushing that leading edge that yeah. continuous improvement to recognize and respect the traditional owners um and we want to dovetail right in behind that and be part of it all and coming f like just naturally through through my career development of seeing the fact that we can bring people out of poverty and the fact that we can uh, get rid of lower literacy, increase literacy levels and develop community and most importantly, just get the kids on a better path than what their parents were on. My dad was a foreman. I'm a fifth generation miner. You know, yeah. my kids are going into university and they're studying high level degrees because I've been able to create yeah. a platform for them, you know, same as you. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. And so we want to be part of that journey for our community and for the people that need the help the most. Oh, it's a bloody exciting. I, like, I, I, I feel 
hopefully I'm going to look back on this and be like, oh, bloody, I had Wosley early when he's bloody, when you got your mug on the news and everything. We're pretty excited about it. Taking bloody Twiggy Forest spot as the bloody WA man. I don't think I'll ever get anywhere near Twigs. (laughs) And look, the truth is Twiggy is probably our most, I think he's our most beautiful Australian. He's so passionate about Mm. helping, you know. And um He's on the. He's exactly where we need to be, yep. you know. So yep. we we want to dovetail in behind that, and like I say, we um, we're going through the processes now, and we think that um, we can offer a lot of benefit to a lot of people. Yeah, no, nah, it's awesome, mate. Or just I, I say I would say best of luck, but it's no, it's not luck, is it? What some who, who it was Mal. Mal Major said it, and I've stuck it. Good it's a big bloke. quote of the year. It's like the the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, it's uh, and it's but it's so it's so true, isn't it? Like, well, look at Mal's story. It's very very similar. It is, yeah, because he had a lot of time in Indonesia. It's, uh, and and Mal was a Sparky at the scratch, wasn't he? And yeah, auto Sparky. Yep. And yep. he's just going and going. And don't forget, like I've serviced a lot of gear through Mal. Mal's sent a lot of gear through to me over the years and the projects I've worked at. He was seamless, mate, the whole way through and could always make it work. Yep. You yep. know, you've got he'd, – he'd divert ships on the water to get a truck to you in time if he could. And, Unreal. And yeah. He was pretty good. I hold him in the highest of regards. Oh, I think everyone does. Yeah, you wouldn't find it. God, if, if someone didn't like him, I don't know what is, what's wrong with him. But <laughs> just a, just absolute gentleman. He's uh, he's oh, he's always – as I said, you know, I said, Mal, you're always going to be my first, mate, my first YouTube video. He's a superstar, <laughs> mate. Oh, so, this has been bloody legendary, mate. I've had a ball. Yeah, I've had a ball too, yeah. Matty. It's so, I'm so happy to see your journey as well, mate, and yeah. the way you're going. And and um, I can see this becoming something very special. Yeah, the well, content and the yeah. people you get on board, minus me, are pretty bloody good. <laughs> pretty good. It's been it's it's just good fun. It's a, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky person to be able to go to work on the jumbo and and do this and enjoy both of them. Like not many. So many people just hate their job. Unfortunately, I, I love both of them. I'm very, very lucky. So I think we're all blessed and we're all lucky yeah. to be part of this industry. And together, we've got that camaraderie that we have, yeah. and uh, we live and work and operate in probably the best mining jurisdiction, and quite possibly the uh, greatest place on earth. I it think. is. It is. I've got to get. I've, I'm going to get Johnny Farnham on here. That's like, oh, I'm going to fly this Australian flag. Uh, yeah. Johnny Farnham or, or Jimmy Barnes. Get probably. Jimmy. Get, get me, yeah. Jimmy and Johnny. Get Jimmy, them both Johnny, Daryl Braithwaite and Buddy. Yeah, oh, it's going to happen. That's, oh, that's my goal. That's all I'm doing it for. Thanks Johnny for the opportunity. <laughs> awesome, mate. Too easy. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, been bloody great. I appreciate it. Good on you, Wosley. Unreal story for Drill Cube to get to where it is today. And as you said... The Drill Cube path is only just at the beginning, so watch this space. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and checking out the episode on YouTube and all the videos associated with it. There's a few highlights, and hit the subscribe button when you're over there, so stay safe out there. Hooroo. Right.